Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome back to Leading Women in Tech. It's Tony here. And have I got a good one for you today? We're talking about negotiation again. Oh, some of my favorite topics are negotiation, making sure we get what we need at work, whether that's financially or support or whatever else it is, and all the things that go into that. And so it's about time I did another episode on negotiation. And today I want to talk about getting comfortable with negotiation. But before we dig into that, let me just give you a little update around here. Not a lot is going on, which I'm actually very grateful for. Like (laughs) this year has been a little, a little intense. Let's just say that. Um, As you probably know by now, um, there's been a lot of family stuff going on for me personally. That's taken a lot of my emotional energy and actually a lot of time away from my business, which it's wonderful in some sense in that I have created a job and a, a business that allows me to do that. But at the same time, I get my sparkle from my work and I've noticed my sparkles diminished. And so I'm really enjoying this final quarter just being straightforward. I don't have anything big planned. We do have some nice announcements coming your way very soon, <laughs> but there's nothing huge going on. And that has been a deliberate choice to kind of slow down and work on my foundation. It also is really important because Q4 tends to be my busiest month in terms of signing up new clients. And that's certainly proving to be true so far, just a few weeks into October. And while that's wonderful, um, it's great for the people that come work with me and it's great for myself and my business and my team. It also means I wanna minimize what else I'm doing. Something else I wanted to share with you, all this is leading up to a point, I promise. One of the things that happened to me over the summer with a lot of family things taking a big toll on me and had this huge ripple effect. I'm pretty sure I came down with COVID and my husband did because our stress levels were so high. That caused me to miss a dentist appointment, which meant I then broke my tooth because it didn't get seen too early enough. There's a whole ripple effect going on here. Then our heating broke and we didn't have the resilience to just deal with it straight away. So that was broken for three weeks. My husband then got a frozen shoulder and we're pretty sure stress plus cold something to do with that as you can see the ripple effect when you're under stress things just snowball out of control and that's definitely happened to me and my husband this summer I'm moving into autumn and one of the things that meant I could tell something was off was that I stopped doing my Monday planning sessions now if you're in my academy you know I'm a big believer in planning your entire week on a Monday sometimes on a Sunday night whichever day works for you but sitting down planning out your calendar with all your to-do items so you get the maximum done without feeling stressed and pressured. You said you're going to do that thing in an hour. It takes one hour. Somebody says to you, can you do this? And you're like, nope, don't have time in my schedule unless it's a real genuine emergency. Well, despite the fact I teach this, I swear by it as a technique for getting more done, being more productive and reducing your anxiety levels. Once you get past the emotional resistance to doing this in the first place, which there is for a lot of us, and certainly for me, I know the theory of this. I have seen it impact my career so profoundly. And yet this summer, that's something that just went. The habit has gone, or it did go, I should say. So this last weekend, I picked myself up. I dusted myself off. I finally had a weekend where I didn't feel like the world was falling apart. I know that sounds pretty extreme and there are many of you out there who have worse situations than I do and I'm not belittling what's going on in your world. But for me, my life has been pretty hectic for the last four months. 
And this last weekend was the first one where I felt like, okay, I don't have to rush around doing anything. I don't have to fix something. Neither my husband and I are sick for a change. <laughs> this frozen troll just finally cleared up. That was the last thing that happened. And it's definitely on the mend. So that's really, really good news. I'm like, okay. And I deliberately gave myself the space of not doing something this weekend. We have a very long to-do list as a family right now <laughs> because so much has been put on hold. And we both promised ourselves we would take the time we needed over the next month or so to just ease back into it rather than piling the pressure on. So we did basically nothing. I mooched about all weekend. It was very deliberate because then last night, I actually went back through my training on how to do Monday morning prep. I went through my own training. Yes, I did. <laughs> and it was very deliberate because I wanted to get myself back into the motivation, the mindset. And one of the things I do in that training in my academy is I talk about the motivation behind it, which I think is important whenever you're doing something that you're going to resist is knowing with a bigger why. So yes, I know the big why, I know the theory and all that because I wrote the training, right? <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes it's easier hearing from somebody else, even if that someone else is you two years ago when you wrote the training. So I went back and I watched that training and this morning I got up and the first thing I did when I got to my desk, actually, I have to admit, I was sat on a sofa in my sunroom to do this exercise. But I think that's one of the luxuries of working from home is I like to do my planning in a really comfy seat with a with my favorite cuppa. It's not actually coffee today. It's a fruit tea. And I sat down and I did my Monday planning session. And I already feel like something has lifted. I'll keep you posted on how that one goes. But I have decided this week that we're getting back into the zone. My life is back on track. Things are looking up and I'm going to finish 2022 on a high. So watch this space. But let's get on to today's topic, how to get comfortable with negotiation. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Negotiation, negotiation, negotiation. How do you feel about negotiation? I'd love to know, actually. Drop me a note in uh, the DMs. If you're my leading woman in tech Slack community, drop me a DM there. I would really like to know, how do you feel about negotiation as a general principle of operation, as a manager, as a leader, as somebody on the job hunt? Well, my take on negotiation is that it's something that as a leader, you will be doing on a daily basis. Therefore, you need to get comfortable to do it on a daily basis. You could view every single interaction as a negotiation, not just the inevitable compensation interactions, right? When you land that role, you're asking for a promotion. No, everything you do at work is a negotiation. Actually, in my mind, <laughs> everything you do with any other human being is a negotiation. I know that sounds kind of militant, maybe, but stick with me here. The key thing is recognizing that as humans, we give and take, right? Now, I hope you give more than you take. I think that's a beautiful thing. But we do take. Sometimes we take explicitly. We ask for something. Other times it's implicit. Like you want your kids to tidy up. Do you ask them for that? That's a negotiation. You want your partner, your loved ones to go and do something for you. All of this is a negotiation. What are the pros and cons? 
So I want you to view everything you do as negotiation because that just hopefully breaks down the barrier to the more intense negotiations that maybe you're shying away from. But all in all, I want to give you some hints and tips today to help get you comfortable with negotiation. Firstly, remember that confidence is something that you need to work on regularly if it doesn't come to you naturally. If you are uncomfortable with negotiation, remember that you want to normalize it in some way. So what does normalization mean? Well, it means getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yes, we've talked about that in episode 96, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that is part of what we're trying to do here. We need to retrain your brain so it's comfortable with a specific uncomfortableness, negotiation. You want to get used to it. You want to stay used to it. And remember, all too often our comfort zone contracts when we don't use something. So we want to be using negotiation to keep it in our comfort zone once you've got it there. So if you only negotiate when you land a job, you are never going to get great at it because you won't be comfortable with it. As a leader, you can't afford not to be great and comfortable as a negotiator because you're going to be doing it all the time. Want more resources for your team? You need to negotiate that. Need your boss to agree to roadmap suggestions or pivots or anything else? That's a negotiation. Persuade your fellow executives to shift focus? That's a negotiation. Getting your direct reports to adjust the strategy? Once more, negotiation. (laughs) Whenever you think of influencing, getting buy-in for any idea, you need to recognize that what you'll actually be doing is negotiating with them. But that actually points you at a key thing here. Negotiation is about influence. It isn't just saying, hey, I need this because it's about helping that person see how doing this for you is going to make their lives better. That's a key tactic, by the way, when you're trying to negotiate a salary bump. How does giving you more money make that person's life better? Yes, it does. They want to hire you. They need to meet you where you're at. So everybody wins. The great thing about this is that the more you negotiate and recognize that you are negotiating, the less stressful it becomes. And of course, that all starts with research and preparation. If you've been in any of my communities, you'll know that I believe that researching what the other side wants is key to great leadership and negotiation, which is why preparation for everything as a leader is paramount. If every conversation could be or is a negotiation, then you need to recognize that every conversation needs to be prepared. The funny thing, of course, is that when you do this preparation, things become so easy that you'll wonder why you had to negotiate in the first place. You may be tempted to stop prepping, but believe me, once you've realized the power of preparation for any negotiation, you are going to keep doing it. I always like to ask myself, if this person here, person X, is in this position right now, and I want them to be over here by the end of the conversation... What is stopping them already being over there where I want them? What blockers do they have? What rationale or irrational thoughts? What data do I need to give them to move them there? What motivation? How can I inspire them to move? If you do that kind of preparation for every conversation, every conversation will be easier. And by extension, those negotiations, because if you want somebody to move their position during a conversation, that is a negotiation. Do the preparation every negotiation is going to go better. The other piece of negotiation prep is ensuring that your emotions are kept in check. Again, this comes with practice and is a core piece of executive presence. Do not forget to check out my executive presence mini training if you haven't already. I'll put the link in the show notes, but trainercollis.com forward slash shop forward slash exec dash presence. It is a great place to get started on all this work. 
But remember that as a leader, you need to be in control of your emotional reaction. Frustration, anger, hurt, sorry are all valid emotions, but they do not move the negotiation forward. They actually hold you up. If you haven't already, you need to work on noticing when you're having an emotional reaction, interrupting that, pausing, reframing, this whole, <laughs> there's a whole process to that that gives us emotional regulation in such situations. Another piece of prep you can do is to research the full breadth and depth of the items for negotiation. A lot of the time, if you're willing to budge in one area, then the other side may be happy to give you what you want in another. In a salary negotiation context, maybe you're prepared to take a lower base in exchange for better perks in specific areas that make sense to you, or vice versa. If you want specific perks, which the company can't offer, you can instead negotiate a higher base to compensate. But you go in with that information. I am looking for, example, to pay for my own executive coach. No, I don't want the one you bring in. I want my own one. This is a conversation I have a lot with clients. <laughs> and the company doesn't have a policy that allows them to pay for somebody like me directly. Um, they want to use the company that they've hired. They run like a retainer for. And you can put your foot down in the salary negotiation and say, well, you know, this is what I really want. If you can't give me that, I want this much extra on base instead. And that's a great way to explain why you're going after something. But this also plays out in everyday negotiations, not just the compensation one. Politicians do this all the time. Ever wondered why bills become these complex beasts of multiple, sometimes apparently conflicting elements? That's because each side meets partway to come together on elements that enough voting politicians can get behind. Now, we can have a debate as to whether or not that's the right thing for our countries, but it happens. <laughs> but you can use this at work too. Consider if you can do something for a colleague that means they are freed up to do the thing that you need them to do. With your team, what are their issues, barriers or objections? Is there something you can give them or take off their plate to help them meet you where you need them to be? The next piece on getting comfortable with negotiation is to remember that we learn from our mistakes. Sure, you won't get your way or win every time. That's okay. Learn from that. What could you have done differently? Was there a way with the benefit of hindsight to achieve your desired outcome? Do not make it wrong that you didn't get what you wanted. Instead, do an analysis of what happened. Think, wow, great. I'm really glad that happened because next time I'm going to have all this additional information. The key here is to enjoy the journey of learning how to negotiate. Don't make anything wrong. You haven't failed just because the negotiation didn't go your way. Adopt a growth mindset. Recognize that learning and growing is what we want to be doing as humans and the way we live. We shouldn't just be focused on the outcome, which is where we tend to focus in terms of success and reward and validation. What if your reward and validation came from going, huh, I learned something awesome today. Next, I want to give you some top tips to improve your actual negotiation skills. So for this one, I recommend, first of all, build negotiation into every day. Like I've told you already, <laughs> it is in every aspect of every human interaction you do. Actually, I think I negotiate with myself about my flexibility on my calendar regularly and often. <laughs> but hopefully you now see why it should be in there every day. And like any skill, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. The key here is to recognize you are negotiating. Remind yourself at the end of every day, all these conversations, I negotiated. How did it go? What was the outcome? Great. It turns out I'm a great negotiator already. Even if that's getting your kids to go to bed at the same time. <laughs> Number two. 
Learn how to read people and how they respond to different issues, motivations, or turns of phrase. The more you can read people, again, we're talking executive presence here, and really understand them, the more likely you are to get the help that you need to get what you need out of the negotiation. Negotiations often go wrong when there's that bull in the china shop old-fashioned negotiator who thinks the only way to negotiate is to be a hard ass. That is wrong, outdated, and unhelpful, and gives negotiation a bad reputation. Instead, focus on understanding and empathy, but while still holding true to what you need. Number three, remember there is no perfect ideal. Know what you want, yes, but then be okay with meeting at your red lines. So understand where your red lines are, the things you're not prepared to cross. Understand what you would really like and recognize that you're probably down somewhere in the middle. That's where you want to be. Number four, know those red lines where you are not prepared to cross. And this applies to every day as much as your salary. Now, I talk about red lines with salary all the time with my clients, but I'm constantly astonished at how few of us know our red lines in our everyday operations. Take some time with every single item you wish to achieve and ask yourself, what's my walk away? Where will I go back and say no agreement? The default being the status quo. If you don't go in with that, you may well end up agreeing to something that you later regret. If you've ever come home or got to the weekend and thought, oh gosh, I can't believe I said yes to that, you haven't been firm on your red lines walking into a conversation. To wrap this episode up, I want you to give you a few key things to remember that are true for all negotiations. First of all, anchor your negotiation in facts and figures, not emotion. Facts and figures hold a lot of power and credibility. They allow you to do your research on trends, competitors, time to market, comparable salaries, whatever the relevant data is. But you have to be accurate and you have to know where you got that data from. If negotiating with multiple companies, maybe you're doing cost reduction or maybe it is salary, narrow down your target. Make sure you're double checking all your values all the time. Number two, put yourself in someone else's shoes so you understand where they are coming from instead of making it all about you and how you don't want to disappoint them. Ask yourself, what do they need? How do they think? What do they need to understand? If you think to yourself, oh gosh, I'm going to be letting them down. That's about you, (laughs) right? If you ever find yourself saying, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. That's about you. A lot of the time when we have this hesitancy around letting people down, people pleasing, it's because we've forgotten what that other person needs from us. Put yourself in another person's shoes to understand the position and help you talk more effectively to them about what they actually need. What are the win-wins when they win and you win? Everybody wins. Do the research again to see what they may need. Okay, we've covered a lot here today (laughs) in a very rapid conversation. We've talked about how you need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable when it comes to negotiating, about how it's every aspect of your life. We've talked about the need for preparation, why preparation is quite possibly the most important thing when it comes to every conversation you have at work. And we've talked about emotion, emotional regulation, and doing your research. And then we wrapped up with a couple of key skills to improve your negotiation. But let's wrap up, as always, with a mindset tip. Remember that multiple opportunities help you see your red lines, whether that is multiple salary offers, quotes to renovate your house or multiple colleagues who could do the work for you or with you put all of your options on the table and you'll realize you don't have to carry over your red lines you can 
stay true to what really matters to you. Do let me know if you have found this episode useful today. I'd love to hear how you are approaching negotiation differently at work. If you were just thinking about it as, well, actually, yes, every conversation I'm having today is negotiation, I would love to know. (laughs) Drop me a DM on LinkedIn in the Leading Women in Tech Slack community. If you're not in there, make sure you head to the show notes and grab the link and go join us. If you have problems joining, some people, the link doesn't work. It should be an open link, but some people, it doesn't work. If that's you, just drop me a message on LinkedIn or email me at support at tonycollis.com. Until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.